the true depth of our lives, so often hidden from us completely. But at times, at times the curtain is drawn away. Supremely so in the case of Christ's transfiguration. Peter, James, and John are given to see that Christ is himself the Son of God. They had in their religious practice so many laws to fulfill, and the prophets so many calls back to God's will, and yet all of them together embodied in Christ, captured by his being in converse with, with Moses and Elijah. The law and the prophets are summed up in Christ, in him. But despite this, they had trouble. They had trouble figuring it all out. It wasn't as if they understood from that moment on everything. They had trouble understanding. And after all, who can understand coming at us the cross, even the crosses in our own lives, much less what face Christ? Who can understand unless, seen in retrospect, backlit by the resurrection? It's been said at times with truth, that there's some spirituality, some groups, some whatever within Christianity, within Catholicism, that are all cross and no resurrection. These are not successful enterprises. They may attract a lot of people, but it's not holistic and doesn't give the whole of the message and what the Christian faith contains. At certain times, because of temperament, background, or mood, we can become be heading down that breakdown lane, but it is important for us to take the whole riches of the Christian message in, isn't it? It's hard to take in all that our understanding needs to do Christ justice, to take in all that all Christ taught, unless it is backlit by that encouragement of the resurrection. Malcolm Muggeridge was an Englishman and a character, but I repeat myself. And uh, he was a pundit, he was a bit of a comic, he wrote for Punch. He was usually capable of a good line. I can remember being over, in, in, uh, over at the medical school and doing the PhD, and I got a hold of his autobiography, and occasionally for a mental health break, yes, I know you're going to say I didn't get enough of them, that's very funny. But for a mental health break, I'd dash across the Fenway and get some coffee and read a few pages about his autobiography, which were usually a hoot. They were usually a hoot, not all the time. Sometimes he would say so things so oppositional as to be accused either of adolescence or being just an enemy to any regime, and you wanted to reach through the fascicles of the book and strangle them. Other than that, he was delightful. But I do remember somewhere in there, and you'll have to help me if it's closer to you in time, your reading of it that he spoke of a friend he had, a man of letters as well, who would often be in the British Museum and uh, he would say that he had been in the Illuminated. And Muggeridge said of him by way of high praise that whenever you were chatting with him, 
it was as if being, as if being in the illuminated. Well, what I'd like to suggest for ourselves is that as we come to learn and take on board the Christian mysteries and integrate them into our lives, we are entering into the illuminated ourselves. If we pause and think for a minute to say thank you, and you can have all the great gifts, but without gratitude, our lives are an empty thing. If we pause for a moment and think what people did 100 years ago, this I think just the 100th of the opening of the church after it's building, after it's waiting for so many things to come over after the Great War that had to wait till the U-boats were passed and things wouldn't end up on the bottom of the Atlantic. Uh, we have, for instance, these great bas-reliefs, which are magnificent. If you ever want to come in and meditate, to pick one of them. It's almost as if the mysteries of the rosary at the beginning, Annunciation, Visitation, Nativity, scenes from Christ's early life and from his public life. But to look at the Annunciation and to see in that Mary being open to God's will and God asking her there over that last arch to uh, say yes to his plan, which can't happen without her consent. And so for each of us in each of our lives, what we are to be can't happen with our consent. And if we're not even aware of what God proposes for our lives, we could live our lives, well not live our lives, but back into them and go through a life not even knowing what it was for, which seems a tragic waste indeed. And so to take the Christian mysteries almost as if being in the illuminated, one of the great libraries of the world and looking at those miniatures in the old, in the old hymnals, in the old office books, in the old gospels, where they, they lift off the page in their color, their genius, their gold, their brightness, and being taken and captured by that icon within the book of God's love for us, that God so loved the world that he sent his only son or that Mary was open to his will and let it happen, or that she went to see her cousin Elizabeth to be of help, who was with child and late in her pregnancy. And then Elizabeth saying to Mary that incomparable line in Luke's gospel, blessed is she who trusted that the Lord's words to her would be fulfilled. To be illuminated by God's word, the words of scripture, and to let that fill our lives and our hearts and our minds, and not junk and not trivia and not scandal, but the love of God, the foundation of God having made us in the beginning and being our true home at last. What could be better than that? What could be more illuminating than that? You can go to Chartres and see the windows, and that's just what that is but you can be here or walking along the street and meditating on one of the great Christian mysteries and be illuminated as well and lifted up by God who is the foundation of our lives and our children's lives and our children's children. I have a uh, cousin of my mother's who just died. She had a long life. Her husband was playing racquetball into his 80s, into his 80s of age and a big family and so on. And one of those people who was endlessly encouraging, endlessly hopeful, of course, like all mothers, they were a doctor to all the kids. They were a philosopher to all the kids. They were a teacher to all the kids and so on. 
And I'm not trying to single out just mothers and fathers. In our parishes, we have single people whose vocation is to be mother and father to us all, who are often more responsible than most of us for why all our different programs within these parishes work. So that includes everybody, all of you, each of us. But the mysteries are not a thing on the wall. And they're not on a page in a book which is closed and left on the shelf. But they're brought into life and carried out into the world. And so this marvelous illumination of Christ ends in turn through the words of the apostles. Through the words of the apostles, well, perhaps it was easier for them they saw Christ. Do you mean Peter who denied Christ at his time of greatest need? Do you mean Paul who was trying to persecute them, was trying to bring them back in chains on his way to Damascus? But then, by God's grace, a life not of simply our own doing, but of God's. And so that Peter would become the rock of faith for all of us in the church. And that Paul, the greatest persecutor of the church, would be its greatest missionary, his letters, the very fabric of the New Testament. And so that great hope that came true in their lives is a hope that buoys us as well. And so we see Christ illuminated for who he truly is, dazzling with light. But that light, that light comes to be in each of our lives. And not just for ourselves, but for everyone else. For those of you from MIT who want a number in a homily or they don't think it's valid, I'll give you the number 1937. That's the marginal note in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And I think many of you know, it's one of my favorite quotes of St. Catherine of Siena, the doctor of the church. God told her in the dialogues, God said, I never give all the virtues to any one person. I give faith to this one, charity to that one, and then almost opposite oppositional virtues. And deep humility to that one, but much courage to this one. So that you will all need each other. The world is illuminated by all the saints. The world is illuminated by each of you. We could mistakenly think that today the transfiguration is showing us Christ's brightest light. But we would forget the light, not just at baptism, but all our lives through as it grows and glows to light up a cold world that seemed dark, but no longer is. Thanks for listening to Within the Walls of St. Paul's Sunday Homilies. Please be sure to like us on Facebook and consider supporting us by visiting stpaulsharvardsquare.org. That's stpaulsharvardsquare.org. God bless and see you next time.